Turn with me to Jeremiah 31. I felt led of the Lord uh, here the next couple weeks just to share the DNA, the vision of our Father's house. Uh, This will probably feel like one big newcomer's lunch to some of you, but we feel like this is a critical season in the life of this church. If you don't know, our Father's house is a little more than five years old, which means we're starting to shed our church plant diapers, and we are growing and developing, and leadership is being established, and people are finding their roles and responsibilities and lanes, just as God has ordained in the New Testament church. And so I want to try to help us navigate through some of this transition my heart would be for clarity because I believe that unity is the fruit of clarity meaning that we're unified when we have clear vision and direction so I'm probably going to do something at the end of this service that I hope none of you make me regret But if you have a question that you want to ask me, we don't normally do this, but if it has to do with the vision, the direction, and the DNA of the church, don't ask me something off the wall, just laugh at you. But if you have a question, I I want this to be a time of, of learning and growing and understanding because we have our work cut out for us trying to follow the biblical pattern and, um, the model through scripture because unfortunately it's not really what people are used to. So I'm going I'm to just make two statements and we're going to try this on for size. Are you ready? In the New Testament, there is no senior pastor of any church. Amen. Is anybody uncomfortable yet? In the New Testament, there are no commands and zero pressure to grow a big church. Okay, without really trying to be offensive, I think I just summarized a whole lot of places. What do we do in America? We get a really talented speaker. We put them up in front of people. We create a show that's conducive to church growth. And we slap Jesus on it. And I'm here to question if God's really even in any of that. Because here's the crisis that we find ourselves in as a nation. We have bigger churches with bigger people and bigger budgets than ever before. And this country is completely abandoning biblical morality and principles. So the church is failing in her mission to impact the culture. Did you know that's what we're supposed to be doing? That in essence, this is supposed to be like the locker room where we gather up, where we huddle up, where we get prayed up, where we get encouraged and where we get the heart and mind of God. And then we take what we are experiencing as a fellowship and we impact the world with what God is doing in our lives. So as Kevin Wallace would say, we can lose our missional focus when we become maintenance oriented. And this is our challenge as we grow as a body is that we would not become maintenance in our thinking. That we wouldn't just try to maintain what God has done the last couple years. But that we would actually keep a missional focus, keep an outward focus and continue to grow what God is doing here. Not through recycled saints, but through people coming to faith in Jesus Christ who do not know him. 
I don't know if any of you follow our town uh, chatter or Twitter pages, or, but listen, people are so lost here, right here in Hendricks County. I mean, just about every week there's someone that posts and says, I'm looking for a church that will allow me to live in sin and go to their church. I just summarized it for you. I'm, lo- I'm looking for a, a, a sin-affirming church. And people are posting, oh, hey, come to, hey, I mean, I'm, I would be embarrassed if I went to a church and someone was saying, this is my sinful lifestyle, where can I go that's comfortable? And people were like, yeah, I'm, listen, the church has backed down and cowered down from proclaiming the truth of God's Word. Or do we all understand that the Word of God shows us what's right and what's wrong? Amen. So the Word of God makes darkness and light clear, but the devil loves the gray, and he wants to create this thing called the fence where you can live on the fence and you can have one foot in the world and one foot in the church and you actually think you can hold hands with God and the devil and somehow Jesus is going to let you in when He's proclaimed in His Word that if you are neutral with Him, that if you are uncertain about Him, that if you are not with Him, you are against Him. So God wants every heart and every mind. The Father's desire is that none would perish, yes? 2 Peter 3, 9. That none would perish, but that all would come to know Him. But not everybody comes to know Him. Why? Because God has granted humanity a choice. And we can choose this day to serve the Lord, or we can choose this day to make it about ourselves. And so basically the earth is comprised of two groups of people. People that submit and worship God, or people that won't submit and worship themselves. Because you will all end up living for yourself if you don't get delivered from you to live for Jesus Christ. So we are a living house that upholds the truth of God's word, meaning that our first value, if you look back here in this, um, what would I even call that? Sign, thank you. Thank you, it was a sign that made me wonder. Um, There's your signs and wonders for today. Our first value is the word of God. Why? Because without the Word of God, we are literally making stuff up. There are, I'm just going to tell you a secret, there are entire passages and chapters of Scripture that some modern pastors wouldn't dare preach or teach or address because of how many people would leave and never come back. This is the tension that we face in this hour in our nation is whether we're going to stand on the foundation of the Word of God and who Jesus Christ really is or whether we're going to embrace another foundation and we're going to make up a God in our own image. The Word of God tells us that some are following another Jesus. They're following a a different spirit, a different gospel, and another Jesus. This is the hour that you and I live in. When you begin to talk to people that Jesus has standards, that Jesus had requirements of his followers, 
that Jesus often confronted people with the challenge or with the cost of what it was going to take before they said yes. But what do we do in the church? We try to hide the cost from people and hope that we can get them into some entry kindergarten level and then hopefully we'll kind of like sneak it up on them show slowly that like, hey, This is going to require your entire soul. Yes, God wants your money because He wants your heart. Because Jesus made statements like, listen to the simplicity of Jesus. You will either hate the one and love the other. You can't have two masters. You either serve God or money. So how we serve God is we submit and we surrender our money to the Lord. Otherwise, our money becomes our God. Otherwise, we end up living for our savings account or for what our money can do for us rather than submitting and surrendering it to Jesus. I think one of the clearest ways you can tell whether someone is a true disciple of the Lord is follow the money. And we're not taking up another offering and there's no gimmicks here today. This is biblical discipleship talk of what it means to really follow the Lord. And I would hate for you to be uninformed or confused. This isn't Paul being harsh or mean. This is what it really means to love people. My great concern and fear for the church of Jesus is that we have actually adopted a form of love that is void of truth, which is not love at all. Love will always show you how to tell the truth. It will never instruct you not to. But we have created a culture of avoidance in the church where we think it is okay to look the other way, to wink at sin, to lower the bar, but God is calling us to retain the standard of righteousness, of holiness, of sanctification, of this is what it means to follow Jesus. It means that if you sin, you repent of your sin and you stop sinning. Because sin displeases and hurts the heart of God. And sin, if it becomes your lifestyle, will sentence you to hell. How are we doing? Everything that I'm describing to you this morning is the culture of God's kingdom. Do we have our handouts? I want to make sure that you get a handout today. If you don't know this handout, I want, to, I want you to raise your hand. If you've not heard of a church culture, kingdom culture handout, let's do it this way. If you've started coming to our Father's house this calendar year of 2023, I want you to raise your hand. If you already have this, you can get another one. It's okay. We want to pass these out because these are really important for the DNA and vision of this house. What you're about to look at is a comparison or a contrast between church culture and kingdom culture. And what I'm calling church culture on the left side of your handout is essentially the morphed counterfeit culture that many people and even believers embrace as normal, but it doesn't have the substance of the Word of God in it. 
So I'll say it again. Our challenge here in building biblically is that what is biblical is often unfamiliar for people. So my comment earlier about a senior pastor, people are trained and conditioned under church culture to enter into a church and immediately they think, who is the pastor? Is this relatable for anybody? But here's our challenge. We, we don't have a senior pastor. Jesus is our senior pastor. And we have plurality and team leadership. And this is the model that is in the New Testament where every single time church government is mentioned in the scriptures, you have elders and deacons. Would you say those with me? Elders and deacons. There are two offices in the New Testament church. Elders and deacons. We are not free to do church however we want to. We have not been granted the liberty by God to make stuff up. God has actually been very clear and explicit in His Word. But here's the challenge. People go, well, that's unfamiliar, that's awkward, people will think that's weird. And rather than cutting against the grain and teaching Scripture, we just adapt what is normal for people. But God is causing a Bible revival in the earth. And I'm here to bring you good news this morning, having been recently in Georgia and South Carolina and multiple churches in Kentucky, that as I travel, what I'm seeing excites me and encourages me and I want it to encourage you also that so many people are recognizing so many even pastors are realizing we've not really built according to the pattern of God's word and it's time to get back to the Bible because we're not smarter than God so people are abandoning the wisdom of man which, by the way, the senior pastor model is influenced by the CEO development of the church enterprise, influenced by business. Did you know that the church is not a business? Listen, this is a hill I want to die on and you can shoot and kill me. I'll die on this hill. There are many people that want to turn the church of Jesus Christ into a business. I understand there are elements of church that, yes, you, yes, we have a 501c3. Yes, we're recognized by the United States government. All of that is fine. But when business practices and specifically business-minded people begin to run the church, they start to think about what is profitable for them rather than what is beneficial for the body of the Lord. So we've constructed all kinds of structures and all kinds of ideas. Let me, let me introduce this thought to you if you've never had it before. When you read the Old Testament and you see the tabernacle of Moses in the book of Exodus, or you see the tabernacle of David or the temple of Solomon, God did not show up to Moses and say, Hey Moses, I want you to build me a tabernacle. Whatever seems good to you, buddy, that'll be good to me. He didn't say to Moses, Moses, I want a house. I want a place to dwell among you. Whatever you think is fine. Maybe you could ask your fellow Israelites or maybe you could go ask the Philistines 
what they think. And oh, you can build me a house that way. God didn't do that at all. Actually, God built everything according to a pattern. And Moses was instructed to build it according to the pattern. So you heard me say a few weeks ago that if you don't look at the book of Acts as a blueprint, then you've missed the whole point of the reason why it was given to us. So Acts is the birth of the church. Jesus has ascended in chapter 1. The Holy Spirit is poured out in chapter 2. And then you're going to see the growth and the development and the life of the church, the New Testament church. And that DNA is what we're going after. So strangely enough, the word pastor is only in the New Testament one time. And it's in Ephesians 4.11 which says that Jesus gave these five ministries to equip and build up the saints, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, or shepherds would be poimain pastors. But the church, all we know is pastors, and we've got a title system, and we call you pastor, and you're not a pastor, and who's paid and who's not paid. And we create a vertical hierarchy when God wanted His body to be a family, Remember, we got our work cut out for us. Because you're cutting against the grain and you're cutting against what people think is normal. And I'm just here to sound the alarm that we've done a lot of things in the church of Jesus with a liberty and a permission that God didn't give us. And God is taking His church back. Here's a very important phrase I would like you to write down if you're taking notes. Please write this down. Pattern. Presence, power. Just those three words in a row. You can put an arrow in between them for extra credit. Pattern, presence, power. If you build according to the pattern, you will experience God's presence and more of His power. Our conviction here at our Father's house is that perhaps we don't see the presence and the manifestation of God's power like we long for, like we read about, because we've not built according to the pattern. Because we've built according to our own pattern. Because we've created our own blueprint. And I have a lot of sorrow in my heart for how many people sit around in board meetings and rooms and try to figure out how to get more people to come to their church and they think that's ministry. I could begin to tell you stories that you would think I'm making it up. I'm not. And I'll spare you. But it is grossly business behind the scenes. Rather than doing God's business, rather than preaching God's word and letting the chips fall where they may, rather than saying, come hell or high water, Jesus be praised no matter what. He's the rock we're building on, whether we get stoned for it or praise for it. The response of people isn't what we're going for. We just want to honor God. You know why? Because you can build big ministries, you can build large churches, you can create massive movements in the earth but if God is not authorizing them you will receive no reward for them actually it gets consumed by fire if you read 1 Corinthians 3 
Your soul is saved, but the work is burned up by fire. It has no eternal value. I would hate to labor and build in the house of the Lord and God say, I actually wasn't building with you. You've labored in vain. You're still my son. I love you. Your salvation is not at risk, but your reward is greatly diminished. We're laboring for heavenly rewards here. Our Father's house stands as a lighthouse to many around us. You know why? Because when you begin, I think back to like 2017, 2018. When I would talk to people like this, people thought that I had lost my mind. People were, well, that's a cute theory. But as God continues to give the increase, what we have is substance for people to see, hey, God's pattern really works. So let's try this one. Church culture, the spirit of religion and tradition, would want me to be the senior pastor of this church. I'm going to go ahead and inform you, I'm not the senior pastor of this church. I'm actually not a pastor at all. Oh, what do you, oh, now you can see people's heads spinning. What do you mean? Well, hold on. People start like feeling like, whoa, whoa. I'm not saying I don't love you. I'm not saying I'm not called to serve you. I'm not, I'm, I'm, please don't hear what I'm not saying. This is why we're going to have Q&A at the end. And Taylor's already nervous. Praise the Lord. I intentionally didn't tell anybody there would be q and I'm like, man, I'm going to get pushed back on that. <laughs> we want to rightly divide and handle accurately the word of truth. The challenge with bringing reformation to the Lord's body, follow me now, The challenge with bringing reformation to the Lord's body is that people are immediately immediately ready to jump on you and say, well, you're just critical, you're just arrogant, you're just saying other people are doing it wrong. I'm really not here to tell you about what other people are doing, which is why I saved the stories, because they're nasty because they put guilt upon the church and the pastors in the body of Christ. But I am here to try to teach and counsel and preach and model that there is a biblical pattern that we are going to build by, and we are going to try to help as many as we can see and understand from the Word of God what He has commanded and authorized in His Word whether it's popular or unpopular, whether it's understood or misunderstood, we are doing our best with humble hearts to say, God, we just want to honor you. We want to do what you want us to do. We want to give you our very best. I promise you we're not doing everything right. We've made a lot of mistakes. That's funny, it really is. We've made a lot of mistakes up to this point. But we've grown from them, we've learned from them, and we continue to put the Word of God before us as a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path because we believe that building according to the pattern brings His presence and brings His power. How are you doing? Okay, good deal. When I said earlier I'm not the senior pastor, why? Because it's not in the Word of God. Elders, plural... You can read the qualifications for elders 
and Titus chapter 1 and 1 Timothy chapter 3. And you can read what God qualifies as an elder in the local church. And elders are your pastors or your shepherds. They're your teachers. They're the ones who are given to the flock of God locally. So we have three people. If you are an elder in training in this church, please stand up. Mitchell's in the back, making sure that all of you are paying attention. I'm kidding. <laughs> Mitchell Wasman, Austin Hoffsummer, and Benjamin Sullivan have been being trained for the last 10 months or more. And we have been working with them. Guys, you can sit down. We have been... Go ahead and sit down, Mitch. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I can't wait for everybody to text you. Can we put his number back on the screen? Uh, I'm, I'm kidding. I'll give you a dollar for every text. <laughs> That's a joke. I'm just kidding. Ben will give you a dollar for every text. But these men have said yes and have been being intensely trained. Their lives are being examined. Listen, this is not a, a like, oh, hey, you, hey, you want to do this? This is like, we need to make sure that your character is right, that your life is right, that you have a walk with God that's real, that you're not going to run when the bullets start flying, that you're going to be here. Because this is God's pattern and model that there be plurality and that there be team. So let me tell you this, our Father's house, you are so blessed. You don't just have a pastor, you have three pastors. You have three men and their wives who are being trained and examined, who are saying yes, who are understanding through the Word of God what it takes to shepherd and care for God's people. Does that excite you? Yes. <laughs> it's amazing to me that we would congratulate and celebrate Someone that works themselves out of a job in a career professional sense. Wow, congratulations. You built a business and you trained people up and, you, and the business is running itself. You're a success. Y'all tracking with me? <laughs> you work yourself out of a job in the church and people go, What are you doing? You're, you're a failure. You're doing something wrong. We, we miss you. Listen, our Father's house is going to reproduce and we're going to plant many local churches. This is just the first of many. And we don't need permission from a denomination because we have authorization from heaven. Somebody's not going to come in here that you don't know that is the Grand Magistrate of the Southwest District of the Central Poobah Head Show and show up and say, oh, well, uh, uh, so-and-so's had an affair and sorry, it's a mess. So we're going to bring you in a new pastor. Or we just sent applications to the local seminary and we're hoping that somebody will take the job. This is how twisted things have become. 
The reason why, I mean, y'all, I literally know people that have just, just, they just disappeared from their church. Like they were pastoring one, uh, (laughs) they were gone. Where'd they go? And then they resurfaced a few months later down the road at another church. And we're like, hey, trust your pastor. Like, what? Anybody that would tell you that this is, this is what I want you to understand. The spirit of religion cries out, this is how we've always done it. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's broken. The church is deeply fractured. It's time for a change. We are in the hour of reformation. Where God is moving His church away from the one-man ministry and into five-fold ministry. This is an exciting time to be alive where there's diversity of gifts and there's room and a place for people to express what God has put on their heart in order and in relationship. But these things are happening all over the earth, not just our Father's house. We're actually moving as a, I'm talking wider vision now, the body of Jesus. We're actually moving out of denominational divides and into kingdom family. Just, Just a few years ago, you couldn't get a pastor of another denomination to talk to you if you weren't in their denomination. You know how that stinks before God and is religious and foul? God is bringing His church into family, into relationship, into love and service for one another where we're not just looking to use a church to get our needs met. How are we doing? Jeremiah 31. I want you to read the New Covenant with me because it's important because it's really the whole point. We're in Jeremiah chapter 31. Some of you thought I wasn't going to get to it. I forgive you. It it has happened before. I want to begin reading in verse 31. This is a very significant passage in the Old Testament. It's so significant that it is the longest quoted passage in the New Testament. Jeremiah 31, let's read. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord. When I will make a new covenant, would you say new covenant? With the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach again each man his neighbor, each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all, would you say all? They shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Would you amen the word of God? 
Catch the heart of God in this. If you don't get anything else out of it, just catch this. God is saying, all will know me. From the least to the greatest of them, I want everybody to know me for themselves. Here's the tension that I've been communicating and I've been speaking to. Much of the church of Jesus is built around an old covenant concept where we think it is a pastor's job to teach us who God is and that's the reason why we tithe so that we can pay you to tell us who God is. All right, let me try this side. I know I'm, I'm messing with our thinking, but I'm trying to bring us into a biblical paradigm for church and for ministry. God wants you to know Him for Himself so much. He wants you to know Him for yourself so deeply. He put His Spirit inside of you, and that Holy Spirit is your teacher your counselor, your comforter, your friend, your guide. I just quoted a bunch of Bible to you. That's the ministry of the Holy Ghost in part. There's more. He's the spirit of adoption. He's the spirit of grace. He's the spirit of truth. He's the spirit whom the world cannot receive. So the Spirit of God lives in you, or Paul said it this way in Philippians, you have this treasure in earthen vessels. The treasure of the mystery of Christ in you. The hope of glory. Jesus living inside of me by faith. And we have set up a construct and called it church. Where we treat people like they're not smart enough to know God. We'll explain Him to you. When really this time is supposed to be equipping and training people. So that you have the tools and you have the spoon to feed yourself. This is called maturity. This is called growth. It drives me up a wall, particularly that wall. I'm joking. It drives me up a wall when the Holy Spirit begins to move and He stirs a meeting and we suspend the preaching and people are like, I need more Bible teaching. You you didn't hear the word? Because I watch our services sometimes, and if you look at last week, I think there were over 100 scriptures that were quoted. But because we didn't have a sit down, open your Bible, spoon feeding time, everybody went, well, there, there's, there's no Bible, there's no Word. No, what if you were seeing was a demonstration of the Word of God? And you were experiencing and encountering biblical reality. And you just missed it because your preconceived concept of God says, well, this is what church looks like. I'm here to ask you the question, who taught you what church is supposed to look like? Whoever said, oh, well, hey, we get in, we sing three songs, we have some kind of offering, we have a teaching, and then we go home. And really what we need is you to get out of the building because there's more people that are coming in. This is a program and it runs like clockwork. And if God desired to do anything outside of the box, well, we've already decided what God is going to do today. And I just wonder... Who in the world thinks that they know beforehand what God the Holy Spirit is wanting to do 52 out of 52 weeks in a row? 
Like, do they meet on Monday morning and go, high five, man, we got it right again. We picked the right songs. We said the right things. It was perfect. No, many times we wait on the Lord and we yield and we begin to pray because we're looking for the Spirit of God to move and speak and breathe. Where's the Holy Spirit? In you. But we set people up. Wow, you have such a... Listen, I, I could be the senior pastor of a successful church tomorrow. It's, it's, I'm not bragging. I'm telling you the system lends itself. Find somebody who can preach. And I'm just being honest. I know that God has gifted me to preach. Well, if I just go fit into the system, then I just think my job is to give good messages to good people and we go home and we live good lives. I wasn't made that way. God is creating, God is stirring, God is breathing on His body. And I'm just daring to tell you that people are beginning to just think outside the box. Because religion boxes God in, hems God in. This is why we have an FAQ on the back wall that literally says, question, why isn't every service the same? Because we're trying to bring people into a spirit-filled DNA. Because really what we're trying to do here, brothers and sisters, we're trying to marry the Word and the Spirit together. We're trying to bring the Holy Spirit and the Word of God together. And that marriage and that holy union is something that we want to enjoy every time we gather corporately. And it's something we want to enjoy every time we gather individually. Because really we want to take you from a, a, a corporate experience to you can do this at home. I mean, who'd have thought you could take communion tomorrow morning before you go to work, experience the presence of God, have Him speak to you about one of your co-workers, prophesy to them, and by 10 a.m. you've had church in the Holy Spirit. You've changed somebody's life by the power of God working within you because you got equipped and trained and built up where you realize, man, I've got something to offer. I've got work to do. I'm being equipped and trained and really... We want to send you out. We want to get behind what God is putting in your heart and say, how can we help you do what God wants you to do? But in church culture, here's what we do. We bring our burdens to the pastor and we're like, hey, I've got this ministry idea. Um, you know, could, could, you, could you do that? No. We, we put our burden. And this is how the church develops blurred vision. What happens when your vision blurs? You're looking in multiple places. Am I right? Yes. Your eyes cross. Can anybody cross their eyes? No, don't do it. I can't do this though. Praise the Lord. You want me to preach like this? <laughs> blind guides of the blind Pharisees. Somebody lay hands on me. <laughs> we come and we expect the church, hey, hey, he, 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 here's, here's my vision. Because when you are trained as a church rat, you think, you think a church rat. You're, a, you're on the wheel. Hamster, if you like that better. Hey, you, just, you just stay in the wheel. You just stay in the wheel. You just, you, just, you just do the same thing over and over and over and over and over. I mean, I would literally define religion as attend, tithe, shut up. Attend, tithe, shut up. Attend, tithe, shut up. That's the spirit of religion. 
That is neutering people. That is removing their authority. Rather than being trained up and encouraged and matured, we're like, well, how can we spoon feed you? You have pastors and people that their goal of ministry is to appear on as many screens and as many campuses as possible. That's not ministry. That's self-idolatry. As a church grows, you have two options. Are you ready? And this is the intersection that we find ourselves in. So don't be confused. You have two options as a church grows. Production or reproduction. We're going for reproduction. We're going for the reproduction of more churches, the reproduction of more leaders, where we're developing people and saying, hey, you can stand on your own. You can preach God's word. You can lead. You can heal the sick. You can begin to function in the ministry that Jesus paid for you to walk in so long as you've got your own oil. But the goal in church culture is to get as many people dependent upon you. The more people that are in seats waiting to hear the same person preach every week, we call that a success. What if God calls that failure? What if what we've built is doesn't actually honor God because it doesn't release people and send them into their destiny? That says, hey, it's okay. It's okay. If you just sit around your whole life. See, church culture teaches you how to attend. Where do you attend church? And then we think that we've evangelized when we invite someone to attend our church with us. Oh, hey, you're lost. You look really lost today. Hey, you want to come to my church? And then we hope, come on, come with me. Let's have a little fun today. Then we're like, hey, come with me to my church. And hopefully the pastor preaches a really good message so that you can get saved. Because I'm not equipped to share the gospel with you. I don't have the courage. I don't, I, I've still got the spirit of fear all over me where I'm not going to tell you, hey, I used to do drugs and I used to be addicted to this and that. No, I, I don't have any power. I'll just offload it onto my church and hopefully my pastor will tell you about Jesus when Jesus didn't give the great commission to pastors. He gave them to believers. Thank you. And I'm just scratching the surface on a broken system of business and enterprise and all kinds of winking at sin that God is dealing with in His church in this hour. How are we doing? All will know me from the least to the greatest of them. What if you were supposed to be being challenged? Get your own walk with God. What if rather than counseling people for year after year after year, we said, hey, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you read his word for yourself? Do you know God by His Spirit? Do you experience His presence? And counseling's not bad, but counseling's not your destiny. 
It's not abundant life to constantly be a broken victim of every situation and need somebody to hold your hand through life. You're supposed to be getting equipped and trained so that you can hold someone else's hand through the difficulty of life. Here's one of the great failures of the church of Jesus. We have not treated everyone like leaders. This is a leadership meeting. And every time I stand to preach at our Father's house, I pretend in my mind like I'm at a leadership meeting. Why? Because we're supposed to be at least, at a very minimum, leading the lost to Jesus Christ. So you're supposed to lead the world. We're supposed to be leading, but instead the church is following the world. And we're following the patterns. And we're following the trends. And we're following... Guys, you have people that they think... Trying to figure out how to be relevant to people is ministry. And the farther we gravitate towards relevance, the farther we get away from reverence. The more we embrace reverence, the more... I want to be relevant to heaven. What if what people who, I mean, honestly, guys, religion has no offering for people that are addicted and afflicted. You're telling me that somebody that is deeply addicted to drugs, alcohol, sex, you name it, it, what what they need is a 45-minute little baby car wash, and we hope you heard something today. They need a church that's vibrating and humming with the power of God. That man, like I work with three of the people that go to that church and you guys are always talking to me about Jesus. You guys have more joy. You have more life. You guys are modeling for me that I'm not living for this world. I'm living for the King and I'm proud to be a Christian. I'm proud of the privilege that I've been afforded by the blood of Jesus and I just can't help it to share it with you. That's a whole lot different. than oh, we, we just... We, yo, why in the world on Easter and Christmas do we find a way to make people more comfortable? We miss the whole point. I heard a radio ad and they said you can come to our service. We have dim lights and easy exits in case you change your mind. That's here in this city. Dim lights, easy exits, in case you change your mind. We want to make you as comfortable as possible. And I'm here to tell you it's not working. It's not changing anybody. It's not bringing real transformation. Why? Because when you kick out the conviction of the Holy Spirit that comes when you preach truth, you get the convenience and the comfort of the Spirit of this age who will rock you like a baby to sleep. Religion says calm down, by the way. Just take it easy. Just relax. Just kick your feet up and you're taking God too seriously. You can't take your eternal destination too seriously. But you can sleepwalk your way right into hell. Dr. Rutland used to say it would be better to limp into heaven than walk straight-legged into hell. Are you walking with a limp this morning? 
Are you walking with a desperation and a brokenness and a need for the presence of God? I'm convinced that we do church the way we do it because we think we don't really need God's help. Because we think we know how to reach people and we think we know what people are going to bite and buy and really it's not producing transformation in the hearts and lives of people. Religion will teach you how to change your behavior and have the right words. Religion will actually make you rich in words, but bankrupt in your own soul. God wants your walk with Him to be real because it's real because you really know Him in truth. How are we doing? This is a house of the new covenant where we believe in following the scriptures where we believe in allowing the Holy Spirit to move, here's something important that you need to know. Our Father's house is a relationally based model for ministry. What does that mean? Love and relationship is the foundation of this church. This also means that there are people that have an agenda for ministry and they can't really see it, but they're actually looking to use the church to get their needs met. I say it this way, nobody wanted to preach at our father's house when there were 20 people and 10 of them were Johnsons. <laughs> it's just the truth. But people can't see, oh, hey, how can, how can I benefit from, and what you're really saying is, I'm a consumer and I've come to consume and use, but really in kingdom culture, you contribute and you pour out. You learn to think, what can I offer God and someone else? Not what can this church do for me? You will experience the benefits and the blessings of life in the church when you are looking as a default to give and pour out. How are we doing? We don't want to be consumers. We want to contribute. We want to gather with a purpose. We want our prayer Sunday morning at 9.15 is where we lay it all out before the Lord. God is developing a culture of prayer in this church that is beautiful, that is an offering to Him. I'll remind you, it was Leonard Ravenhill that said, Sunday morning shows you how popular the church is. Sunday night tells you how popular the pastor is. And the prayer meeting tells you how popular God is. Prayer is the least marketable thing in the church. How do you get people excited about prayer? You know what the problem is? We're used to consuming something. And the only thing there is to consume in prayer is God himself. But because we're not spiritual enough, we just, well, I'll just avoid prayer. God wants us to pray and intercede and contend. If I'm being really, really honest with you, which I intend to be, many weeks I receive more from the Lord during corporate prayer than any other time in my life. Because when you put God first, and when you seek His kingdom first, everything else in your life lines up. We've got to stop as a body not here, just I'm speaking big picture because that's where I live. We've got to stop trying to consume church where the pastor is the product. 
We've got to begin to consume God's presence and feed on His Word and feast on His Spirit and contribute and pour out. I was meeting with a pastor recently and he said, what percentage of your church serves? Like I said, I I don't know, uh, what did we say, 70, 80%? He said, what? He said, no, I said, how many serve? I said, I heard you. Because that's the culture of God's kingdom. We're a family. We serve. We contribute. We pour out. We give. No, listen. We don't have membership at our father's house. We do have bumper stickers, though. (laughs) And we, we assume you're pretty serious about this thing if you put a sticker on your car. Get this man too. He's got two. We got two. We're going to get three. Three. We're going to get four. I have three on my car. Sorry. It's technically like two and a half. No, we don't, we don't have membership, but do you love what God is doing here? Are you devoted to what God is doing here? It blows my mind that when the offering baskets are passed, when you tell people, hey, listen, this is the moment in time where vision and provision meet. Meaning, this is where you either believe in the vision that God is orchestrating in your local church, or you take your money and you go somewhere else. I give to our Father's house and we give to our Father's house because we believe in the vision And what God is doing here. We believe in... If you ask people, hey, why do you give to your local church? Many of them would say, well, I just feel obligated. I just feel bad. I drink the coffee. (laughs) It's not about consuming something. It's about contributing and saying, I want to be a part of the fruit of what God is doing. So with that thought, let me remind you. We have a missions offering on August 13th. That's three weeks from now, two weeks from now. Praise the Lord. August 13th. And we are taking a team over to Northern Ireland. There is a conference over there called New Life. And Aaron and Tana Molesky, who we have supported as missionaries for the last four years, their support is dwindling as they continue in their assignment over there. And they are several thousand dollars short. There is no reason why in God's kingdom people that are as devoted and faithful as them should lack the funding that they need to do the will of God. So we are taking up, rather than a benevolence offering for this house, we are taking up a missions offering where we are going to give this money to them and I am praying for at least $10,000 I am believing that we are going to bless them and honor them and listen when they finish their course over there they're going to come back here in Avon and you're going to meet them and get to know them they're going, they visited here if you've been with us long enough but I want you to mark your calendar and make note of giving and supporting them. Why? Because this is kingdom. This is what really matters. This is what God is after. When you sow to our Father's house, you are sowing into soil that is producing fruit all over the earth. It's not. Remember, when it's church culture, it's all about my church. 
and our congregation. We're a part of the kingdom of God, which is all over the world. Isn't that exciting? Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be with your people here today. God, I pray that you would help us to wrestle and to work through the DNA of your kingdom. Lord, we love you and we thank you. Lord, would you continue to build this house that we might not labor in vain. Father, I pray that you would bless every person, every man, woman, and child here today. Would you increase our awareness of your presence and your goodness. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.